0: Meter is produced in part using source connect made by source-elements.com and now your hosts paul stefano and sean daly
1: hi everybody welcome to episode 68 of the vo meter measuring your voiceover progress today we're featuring an interview with gerald griffith the executive director of vo Atlanta. And we're going to talk to him about the upcoming virtual version of the conference where we'll be media sponsors providing excellent content as we always do from the conference, virtually and socially distanced, of course, and uh, bring you some interviews from speakers and attendees at the conference.
2: All right, but before that, it's time for our
0: VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show.
2: All right, Sean, what's been happening in your VO world? Uh, not too much project-wise, unfortunately, but I have been getting a crap ton of auditions. <laughs> um, and I've been keeping busy with, uh, of course, my work for GVAA and Rekindle School. We just wrapped up another 101 class for them. And, oh, my God our membership has grown so big for GVAA that I had to schedule How big 14. is it? How big is it? <laughs> It's so big, I had to schedule 14 <laughs> workouts for us this month. Um, so wow. for those of you who don't know, yeah, we, we offer a variety of what what are called coach-led workouts and peer-led workouts. The peer-led workouts are led by myself and David Toback, people with like three to five years of experience. Like we don't really market ourselves as coaches and we kind of want people to feel a little bit more comfortable. So we're we're just your peers. So had to schedule about five of those this month. And then I had to schedule nine coach-led workouts, which are led by some of our great coaches like Joyce Castellanos and David Rosenthal and Brian Summer. and depending on their specialties, they're either kind of like an all-genre workout, like say with Steve Reisberg or David Rosenthal, or something a little bit more genre-specific, like when Joyce teaches, she does promo or documentary narration, and when Brian Summer teaches, he usually focuses on video games or animation. So... We try to have a mix of all those kind of workouts because we understand that people's schedules and interests are different. So we just try to provide as many options as we can. But, man, my calendar is full. (laughs) That's awesome. Glad to hear it. Because don't forget,
1: not only is GVAA one of your employers, but they're also a sponsor of the podcast. So thanks again to the Global Voice Acting Academy for being on board. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. So what about you? I have a couple of things going on. I have a an audiobook that just came out last week. It's my first title with Joe Hempel's company, Fireside Horror, and it's called Invitation to Death. It's a like it's Ew. like the, the name implies, it's a horror story. And there's a surprise twist at the end, so go find that wherever you can download audiobooks called Invitation to Death and narrated by me. And I'm currently working on the second book in a series for Dreamscape Audio. And That is going pretty well. I'm almost done. I had a bit of a delay because, as I'll get to in the questionable gear purchases, my new booth setup took a little bit longer than I expected, not because of any issues with our fine sponsor, Studio Bricks, but just because I'm a Luddite and couldn't get everything set up the the right way. I wanted it workflow-wise, but I'll talk about that in a few minutes. I should be finishing up that book. It's called Eastern Lights. The previous book, called Southern Storms, is out now, and that's done pretty well. It's been out since about September. And this is the next in the series with one of the ancillary characters from that book as the main character of this one. And it's, again, a dual P.L.B. romance with uh, Nikki Thomas. And then, let's see, other current events. Um, I met our agent. I think we shared this agent. Lisa Ristow, right? Yes. So I met her in person for the first time yesterday. She lives only about 45 minutes from me in Maryland. Uh, So I went to her house because um, I was stalking her. No, just kidding. I was... (laughs) Buying a new router on Craigslist.
2: Rip Craig's me! <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I was buying a new router on Craigslist, and it just happened to be in her hometown. I know this because you know we talk quite a bit because we have a pretty good relationship. So I emailed her and said, "I think I'm in your neighborhood. Like I I know from your Facebook pictures, this looks like your 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 house." And she said, "Yeah, that is my neighborhood." So we didn't want to do anything social because of the stupid pandemic restrictions, but I just stopped by the house and just got out and we talked a little bit from, from the street to her front yard and just said hi, but it was cool to finally meet Lisa in person after all these years of her repping me, and uh, mm-hmm. I've only met, I think, two of my agents ever in person, and it was nice to finally be able to do that with Lisa. Very cool. And then what else? Uh, let's see. I have a blocked salivary gland, which is not very exciting, but... what? When talking about vocal health, it's something to think about. So I had this, like, lump under my tongue, and I could see it. It was visually there, and I looked in the mirror, and I could feel it. So when I was talking, I was feeling it, like, drag, feeling what I thought was my tongue dragging on my teeth, especially saying S's. And I actually reached out to some friends, I think you might have been on this, where I was asking if you were hearing problems with my S's in some of my recordings, and I think Mm -hmm. it turned out to be the tongue. So I went to the dentist because... Being the hypochondriac I am, I'm feeling the worst. I'm thinking, oh great, I have mouth cancer, career's over, wonderful, I'll be talking through a straw the rest of my life. But luckily, the dentist just said it is a, it is a blocked salivary gland, so the cure really is to kind of let it resolve on its own and try to flush it out, sort of. So the the idea is to eat a bunch of sour stuff, either suck on lemons or I chose to eat a whole bag of sour patch kids. <laughs> <And> it <laughs> helps too, yeah. So it helps your mouth to sort of overcompensate and create more saliva and sort of like rotor rooter it out. So that's what, I'm, hmm. that's what I'm doing. It is getting better. I, I wouldn't have sat down to do this podcast today if it was still happening because it does affect my work, unfortunately. So if you, like me, have some sort of weird lump under your tongue, don't panic. It's probably just a blocked salivary gland. Go get it checked out by your dentist. Uh, I was talking to my daughter about it, and she said, I thought you were going to the mouth doctor. And I said, yeah, they're called dentists. <laughs> 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 it's just funny the things you forget, you take for granted that. And my daughter's fifteen, yeah. so she should have known this already. It's not like she hasn't been to the dentist, but she said, "Oh yeah, I guess that is the same thing."
2: <laughs> Maybe she thought you're going to an ENT. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we often take our oral hygiene for granted. So, and it's one of those things that can affect your voice. So definitely, like, make make sure that you do go to the dentist regularly. That you do practice good oral hygiene, like brushing your teeth. Very often, part of my warm up routine is brushing my teeth, because those vibrating toothbrushes kind of wake up my gums a little bit, and then I'll use mouthwash, and then a dry mouth rinse, because I find that you just feel confident, like going on a date when you have a a clean mouth, right?
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought about stimulating the gums and the tongue, but that's probably a good idea. I always brush my teeth and floss beforehand, because it will affect your your speech, especially if you, like, had a plate of ribs right before you're about to record.
2: Yeah, (laughs) oh yeah, no, it'll definitely... (laughs) It'll help with the mouth clicks. It'll help with a lot. Like I said, it helps with the confidence. And, um, and I remember even Paul had a blog about it, but he uses one of those tongue scrapers beforehand. Oh, yeah. I am mean, just like, ah, the tongue's so sensitive. I don't want to do that. But it probably should.
1: <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. So one other thing I want to mention, I had a, an interesting uh, thing happen, I guess, about two weeks ago now. I was looking at one of the Facebook groups. I think it was the one of the author, I mean, a uh, narrator specific ones. It might have been the Indie slash ACX one on, on Facebook. And somebody said they put up a post saying, what are some of your podcasts you recommend for people to listen to that are learning about the business? And because it was audiobook specific, the, the couple that popped up were Rich Miller's Audiobook Speakeasy and Jay Rodney Turner's, uh, I think it's Learning to Do Audiobooks. I can't remember the title. Sorry, Jay Rodney. But um, nobody mentioned us, at least not last time I checked. So I jumped in and, and looked. I was going to mention us. And then I said, wait a minute, I know that name. That sounds familiar. So I checked in on, on the profile, and it's uh, a woman by the name of Amy Kennedy, who I went to high school with. And I think junior high, too. It's hard for me to remember that far that, that far back. We were basically from adjoining town, so we didn't go to elementary school together. And I can't remember how quickly the, te- the schools get merged into one big pot. But definitely high school. So... I looked, and it definitely was the same person. So I said, normally I wouldn't recommend my own podcast, parentheses. Okay, yes, I would. But you should check out ours. By the way, I think I know you. We went to school together. So uh, come to find out it was the same person, and we connected on Facebook and then have had some conversations over email and and phone. And um, I've been trying to help Amy out a little bit. So she is just starting. She's done a couple of books and is interested in VO. And I'm really excited because I don't often get to meet people that know me from like that point in my life. Most of the time I talk to people from high school or or even before they either have no idea I'm doing voiceover or just don't care, frankly. So to have somebody (laughs) that has known me, well, knew me 30 years ago and is also interested in voiceover is really cool. And then some people that have reached out to me have done the thing where they ask for advice or they think they want to get into voiceover and I say, go listen to the podcast and you never hear from them again. In this case, after that first post, Amy actually listened to a bunch of the episodes. Unfortunately, the first one was the one with Kest and John, where I was barely involved. So she got to hear a lot of you, Sean.
2: <laughs> but it was a good interview, though. I was it proud was. of that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I listened to it. You did a great job on that. So it is a good, a good example of the work. But then since uh, Amy has listened to a few of them and we talked about some of the topics. So congratulations on your starting your VO journey, Amy, and hope to hear big things from you.
2: Awesome. Be sure to listen to the rest of our episodes. And if you need training, check out – no, <laughs> yeah. it's all right. I'm sure you, you're well on your own way to success. That's great.
1: I will say uh, Amy was much more advanced than I was expecting, so congratulations to her. I went to ACX and listened to her samples, and then she sent me one. and I was like, oh, you sound like you already know what you're doing. I'm not sure I can help you at all. And then come to find out she had taken acting classes and has an acting background, which, as most of you know, I don't really. I've, I've learned everything I know about acting during voiceover training. So Amy will probably be way past me and doing much better, more sooner rather than later. So, good luck again, Amy.
2: Good luck, Amy. One other cool thing that happened that I forgot to mention this weekend: I was actually following uh, Booth Junkie Mike Delgado's second live stream because he enjoyed doing the first one so much, and he was actually starting it because he had gotten a new mic, the uh, the Tech Zone Stellar Three, like the the latest iteration of the the Tech Zone series, mm-hmm. and. He was so involved with answering questions and setting up the live stream on the first one, he didn't actually review the mic. So he's like, we'll we'll do another one soon. And I was like, oh, that's great. Um, So I was in there and... Like Mike's a friend, and I've watched hours and hours of his content, so I sent him a little super chat, not expecting anything, to say, "Hey Mike, great job, thanks for everything you do," kind of thing. And he just like sang my praises for like five minutes, thanking me and talking about how great Global Voice Acting Academy was, and just saying if you need training, go there. It was it was amazing. It was wow. so. If you're listening, Mike, thank you for the uh, the unsolicited testimonial. I really it really meant a lot. That's great. So we have our interview with Gerald coming up in just a few minutes, but before that, it's time for our
0: questionable gear purchase.
2: All right, Sean, have you done anything stupid this this week? No, but I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's always good to hear. Uh, I'm still, uh, like you guys heard in the the previous episodes, I'm kind of on this quest for an elegant, like over like overhead boom solution. So to kind of right now, I'm I'm kind of happy with where my my mic is, but I I'm not in the sweet spot like I was before. Like I'm using the Gefell M930 right now, and if you get it just a little bit closer, that proximity effect really kind of folds out the sound. And I notice that when I get a little bit too loud with the current setup with my new monitor, you can hear a little reflection. So I definitely want to fix that. Um, but anyways, I had spent like $200 on this little modular connecting thing by this company called Triad Orbit, very quality equipment, just was a little bit smaller than what I needed. And and like for the price, it just didn't make sense. So I sent that back and I got a monitor stand to kind of improve ergonomics that way. But now I need to get the mic closer to my face. So I've been looking at a couple of different solutions from Gator Frameworks and on stage stands. Apparently they have all sorts of just like mini boom arms that either clamp on to various surfaces like desks or shelves or even pipes, or what I think I'm going to get is this little kind of pivoting arm that just has like a little... Pivot. Um, what is it? The pivot. Pivot. <laughs> pivot. But um, what is it? The, uh, the standard mic connector on one end. So I was just going to hook that up to one of my stage ninjas and then kind of get the mic closer to my, my mouth that way. So... Hopefully it won't be distracting and hopefully it'll just sound better. <laughs> Where are you going to hang it from? So um, from the PVC. So right okay. now it'll either be, um, cause right now my mic's kind of directly in front of me a few inches in front of, or er, above and in front. I'm either gonna have it in the exact same spot and just have it be a little bit closer to me, or if that boom arm doesn't telescope out far enough, I'm probably gonna move the, the clamp to the like the side of me and then have it kind of suspended over the center of the booth or like the s- center of the ceiling I should say. This whole thing would be so much easier if I just had like a support bar in the middle of my yeah, PVC booth but that. I don't because it's too small. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean you can get one of those clip-on ones but it's not gonna be as uh secure unless I like glue it in.
1: Yeah that's interesting.
2: So that's kind of where I'm at right now. If I had like my booth's only like three by 5 by 7 so it's not a huge booth and you can get away without that support beam but it's kind of complicating my current situation. Well good luck with that hopefully it all works out. Awesome well I know you've been (laughs) experimenting with gear a lot lately so what about you? Yeah
1: well first of all there's sort of a uh, some dumb things and then there's some some really nice surprises so I'll start with the dumb things. I bought a mixer Uh, the second time I bought a Allen and Heath ZI-10 and not to diss the company but (laughs) <laughs> I bought the mixer because I want to do more interviews with several guests, so I had to do a, a podcast interview for Twin Flame Studios where we had several guests on, and I screwed it all up because I couldn't do a proper mix minus. And none oh, of the solutions no. we normally use was working. Not not because of any lack of knowledge I have, I just didn't have the right equipment. The AG-06 that I use for my mm-hmm. primary interface just can't do a mix minus. So. I bought the Allen & Heath because I was working with Stephen George friend of the show and we were trying to figure out a way to do it. He bought one and together mostly him he figured out that he can do a mix minus and do playback over playback down the line on something like Source Connect or Skype or Zoom with this mixer. So I bought it and I figured I was going to I was going to figure it out. But there's apparently a couple different models of it, so I didn't have the exact same one Stephen had, so I couldn't match up exactly his workflow and I couldn't get I couldn't make heads or tails of it because I just don't have as much experience with a big board as I thought I did, so I couldn't get it to work. So I sent it back, and luckily I could mm-hmm. return it. And then I bought an Evo 4 by Audient because that has this built in loopback feature in a in a virtual mixer. And it kind of works, except I still don't know how to do it, so and I'm not completely oh, sure no. I can I'm still, still not completely sure I can create a proper mix minus. I think it works much like the AGO 3 or AGO 6, where it has this loopback feature to allow you to record what's coming in and also play it back down the line, but I don't think it can mix minus properly. So that was just a dumb purchase. Yeah, and... and I
2: don't know if it does that for multiple tracks, like if you're trying to get multiple people in like you were before. Yeah, I think that's the issue. Um, so it's not really going to work out. I'm wondering, so too. If mean... anyone wants to
1: buy an Evo 4, I can't return this one, so I'll give you a discount on it as a, fr- as ah, a fan right. of the show.
2: Well, on, I mean, they're incredibly priced as it is. I mean, they're like 129 new. And I remember Bandrew on his uh, one of his podcastage episodes, like best gear of 2020, he's like, this is my favorite interface. Even though it's not like the preamp quality isn't as good as, say, the ID units or the SSL, but he's just like, for all of the features that you get for 120 bucks, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I watched that video too. It's one of the things that convinced me to buy it, actually. And it does sound great, I have to say. It you can you can notice the quality difference even from the ag six. It's it's a little, it's just a little bit cleaner, and I don't necessarily need that all the time. But I did notice it right away. So it's a quality unit. It's just again not doing what I was going to do. So what I wanted it to do. So that's uh, the that's questionable year purchases. Yeah, <laughs> but story of my life. But on the positive side, I finally set up my studio bricks ergonomically and logistically to work out exactly the way I need it. And it's weird because it's completely different than I had set up in my old booth in the Whisper Room. So now I'm seated all the time. I put in a desk inside the booth and I'm sitting at a stool. And then I'm... For those of you who know studio Bricks it has the big door on the one side. So I'm sitting perpendicular to the door, facing the what would be the, the right side if you were looking at the booth. And I'm basically taking advantage of the, the width of the booth rather than the short length that has a the door there. And then I got a boom arm, a blue compass boom arm that connects to the desk and comes nice. over to connect it to the MK8, which now I'm, I, I'm going to say settled on, but not because there's anything wrong with the mic, it's because I'm a nutcase and always buy <laughs> more equipment. But I've heard from multiple people now, including you, that this is the best sound you've ever heard from me. So I'm keeping the MK8 and going to make that my only mic for right now. And there's really no reason not to. It's a fantastic <laughs> mic and it sounds great. And I'm, I'm starting to learn how to work it because like you mentioned with the Gefell, it has this fantastic proximity effect that you can get. And I have it off axis, so I, I don't pop it when I'm doing, when I'm talking. Hopefully it's not happening right now, mm-hmm. but I just love the proximity effect on it. And it's just, it just makes sense to have a well-known brand, high quality, large diaphragm condenser in the booth. And now I have that. So no complaints there. And then finally, I have two two screens in the booth. I have a monitor that's sitting on the desk. I initially bought uh, mounting a, an arm, a, an arm that goes up and down. What's the word I'm looking for? A, a visa arm. Thank you. A Stand. <laughs> stand. Yes. But a, a desk-mounted monitor stand. That's oh a oh visa I see the, the
2: the visa mount yes yeah mm-hmm. or visa however they pronounce it
1: <laughs> right. But I found out that I couldn't find a way to have the monitor there and something to read off of. So I still like to read off of an iPad because it's completely silent because you use your fingers. I don't have any mouse clicks or rolling sounds or keyboard sounds. So I end up having the monitor a little bit lower. I really only use it to look at the DAW to make sure things are running. And then using punch and roll, I need it there too. And then now Mm -hmm. I, I took the... I actually reused something I had before, one of these stands, the Archon stands for my iPad that I had screwed into the walls of my whisper room. I was able to sort of rig it, so I jammed it into the visa mount of, the, of the, the monitor arm, and now it's coming out over the monitor. So now I have the iPad on top of the monitor on an arm, and then I can see both at the same time. So, really happy after weeks of futzing around with it, ergonomically, I can get work done, and even edit in here if I want to, for small things, and it's all very comfortable and has increased my workflow exponentially. So thanks to Studio Bricks again. Awesome. And Sennheiser because both those products have changed my my, my workflow completely.
2: Fantastic. Yeah, I was really impressed with that MK8. Uh, as I talked about before, I put together a review for it, and the audio is all ready. I'm just going to take some B-roll and release it on my YouTube channel once that's finished. So, But I just loved, I mean, as someone who is a fan of the MK4, that was one of that was my first large diaphragm condenser, the MK8 just gives you so much more of a sonic toolbox between its uh, its different polar patterns and the pad switches.
1: It does look cool, too. I remember you saying your mom liked the way it looked. And I, I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it's got it's got a very, um, I mean, it's got a champagne, almost gold color to it. And then, I admit, that was one of the reasons why I liked, or was drawn to it, when, or the MK4, was because of how it looked. I also really like the transparent
1: mesh grill because I can see the capsule and I know where it's pointing exactly. Like, sometimes you can't always see inside the grill, so you don't know if you're pointing the capsule where you want it to. So, in my case, I want to point it. At a mm-hmm. at the corner of my mouth, so I can talk past it to avoid plosives and not need a pop filter, and I know exactly where it's mm-hmm. pointing right now because I can see it. That helps a lot.
2: Nice. And have you been using just the cardioid or um or what is it the the I have it bi-directional on, pattern? I
1: actually have it on um, figure eight because yes, it's helping the with the door, of the studio bricks. So studio bricks has this giant glass door, and there can guess there can be some reflections off of there. I actually just saw George Washington the third this morning posted on Facebook saying, what are you guys doing about this door? So that's one of the ways I'm combating that is having figure eight, it's, it's the, the null zone is right where the door is as opposed to behind it. So that's helping a lot.
2: Awesome. And I hope that we're inspiring ideas in our audience. Like you can get creative, right? And whether you're using a PVC booth like me or a studio bricks like Paul... There are no, there's no limitation to creative, inelegant solutions, as Rob Marley would say.
1: Yeah, just ask around to your friends. I actually sent a sample of this to, um, to Uncle Roy, and I told him I was using a figure eight, and he said, figure eight, you know what that does, right? And I was like, yeah, but here's why. And he said, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think he trusted me at first, but yeah, I, I'm doing it for a specific reason. All right, well, that wraps up our questionable gear purchases. We'll get to our interview with Gerald Griffith from VO Atlanta in just a moment, right after a word from our sponsors.
2: First, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Studio Bricks. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally-perfected acoustics enhances your performance and take your recordings to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms.
0: Walgreens because it's flu season you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and you know people
3: we tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites they don't always tell you
2: everything
0: the stars take it to the red carpet
2: we are back live from the red carpet California leads the way for change in America and so does Kamala Harris
0: rated M for mature Claire Redfield
3: and who exactly are you so, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to
0: 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany.
2: This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls curly fries, curly straws, curly haired dogs.
0: Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself.
3: Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, Geez, I could do that.
0: Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself.
3: Well, not this one exactly.
0: Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead. Take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com.
3: Because you like to have fun.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the VO Meter. We're pleased to be joined now live with the executive director of VO Atlanta, Gerald Griffith. How are you, Gerald?
2: I'm doing well,
3: guys. How about yourself?
2: Great. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate it. So it's been a while since we we saw you in person, unfortunately, because of events going around the world, but it's great to hear your voice again.
3: Well, it's great to have a chance to share and talk about the conference a little bit, and uh, it has certainly been a year in between. Yeah, Yeah, it's been interesting for sure. So Sean and I
1: have talked about the conference a lot, actually, over the years in, in our 67 episodes, but for some of our listeners who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about the history of VO Atlanta and why you started it.
3: Well, uh, V.O. Atlanta was started out of a small meetup group here in Atlanta, which I started just to have the chance to meet other people in voiceover here in the Atlanta area after I moved here back in uh, 2009. And so that meetup uh, was started around 2011. And after a while, I realized that most of the conference-related activities were always far away. They were in New York and L.A. and Texas. And it it just seemed like a lot sometimes for people, you know, maybe just getting started to have a chance to go to something. And so I set out with the goal of just creating something that was a little more in the Southeast. Um, So my original goal was to have a regional event for people who could drive here in the Southeast to come to. Um, and I figured it was like Florida to Texas and then to Virginia. And I actually had a cool map on the wall with a big circle and that was kind of the area I wanted to draw people from. And so it was really just around the idea of people coming together to support each other, to share and interact and, and learn from industry leaders that uh, I had met over time and be able to bring them in to have them share from their their experience in the industry. and um, So the first conference was in March of 2013, and um, we had about 125 people come to that, and it was great. We had it there at the Hilton out by the Atlanta airport, and it started something, and every year we kept growing. And before you know it, we had many more people from outside of Atlanta than, than were in Atlanta or the area coming, and by the time we got to 2019, through seven conferences, we were closer to a thousand people attending and um, around, you know, well over 150 sessions and workshops happening. And the schedule was just packed. If, if you were here, it was like you could go almost 24 there seven. There were a few hours of downtime in between, but we generally have people from about 40 plus states and around 20 countries. And uh, it's just taken on a life of its own, but it's been a really exciting journey to this point.
2: I'll say. Now, this next one is personally relevant because I've benefited from the conference quite a bit. But I'm curious from your own perspective, what has VO Atlanta done for the voiceover industry at large?
3: Well, that's always a tougher one for me because I don't necessarily try to answer it myself. So this is going to be a little bit of an odd moment because you and Paul have been to the conference many times. So it really becomes a question, I think, of what has it meant to the people who attend it? Because when when it's a question about the industry, it's a little harder for me to answer because VO, VO is kind of interesting in the sense that you're not dealing with one organization, you're dealing with hundreds of individual businesses that are run in some similar ways, but in large part, they're very unique and very different depending on the person that you're dealing with. So. So I can't really speak to what it's done for the industry. I'd like to think that it's provided a platform where people can engage in very interpersonal ways. They can get out of their booth for a little bit and and engage with other community members. But the largest part for me, outside of the voiceover piece, is just to recreate a space where people can be people again, you know, because most of us don't work in the same space or interact on a daily basis say in what would have been a traditional workplace many years ago so when you come to the conference or you're engaged in an activity related to the conference i'd like to think that you make friends that you make contacts that you build your personal and professional network of getting to know people that you otherwise wouldn't come in contact with
1: well i can say and i th- I think I can speak for Sean, too. But if not, he's here, so we can do it, too. Uh, <laughs> it, it's in no small way changed the entire course of my career for the better. When I first went to Vio Atlanta, I didn't know that many people at all and in the industry, and my career was just starting. And in large part, because of the relationships I made there and people I met and things I learned, it really helped my career blossom early on and continues to.
2: Mine too. And what was really funny is that I actually made contacts with a lot of people in Seattle, like which is where I live, obviously. And so after the first VO Atlanta I went to, we had actually put together a meetup group and then that built my, my local uh, network even more and really solidified that. And of course, I mean, people know I've, I've benefited from numerous um, contests and things that VO Atlanta has offered. And so... Like I said, I got a new 416 because of it. I got, I, uh, I was blessed with a wonderful team for the team challenge and the prizes we got for that. Getting to come to Vio Atlanta again, so like Paul, it has been very instrumental in my own career.
3: Yeah, and it explains why Sean is no longer eligible for any contest. The for contest. <laughs>
2: not, not just at your conference, but all the conferences.
3: <laughs> oh gosh, he certainly had a good run, hasn't he? It's all right. he, it's all right. he has, it's like, his ROI on coming is amazing. <laughs> <It's>
2: like, <laughs> well, you know what they say, to whom much is given, much is expected. <laughs> oh,
3: wow. So, but, uh, Gerald, you talked a little bit about
1: it in the outset, but how has Rio Atlanta changed over the years?
3: Wow. Uh, well, it's certainly gotten larger. <laughs> but I, I think what's happened in large part, the, the first couple of years, I think, like with a lot of things that start off new, people are somewhat unsure about it and you really have to work hard to bring in what I'll call well regarded, well respected resources within the industry and sometimes they're a little hesitant to lend their name to new things because they're not sure what your angle is or how serious you are or whether you're, you know, you have good intentions. So the first couple of years I had to work really 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 hard trying to get some of those people to um to believe in, in what I was doing here. And then I would say there was a big shift probably around year three, where people seemed to to, to buy into it. They seemed to lend their, their trust and confidence to it. And it turned a bit, instead of me having to uh, beg and beg and beg and beg certain people to participate, we were turning away more potential speakers than that we could accept. And so you began to, to be able to evaluate a little more closely the, the types of resources you're, you're bringing in. We went through a couple of venue changes, trying to find the, the perfect fit. I think people just realized that it was a great opportunity to continue building relationships. And it's funny that Sean mentioned the thing about Seattle there are people that, that come to the conference each year from New York. In this particular scenario, they come from New York. And in New York, they do not interact. They do not spend time together. They, they just know that they live in New York together. But they actually get together and network and have lunch or dinner and stuff together only when they're at La- in Atlanta, you know, <laughs> only when it's at the conference. And they joke about it. They say, OK, I'll see you next year, even though they live in the same city and so seeing people form those relationships and friendships is is i think one of the things that has really been a highlight of the conference overall and over time it's just gotten stronger and stronger
2: wonderful so speaking of changes we know that this year we're moving to a virtual model and aside from that obvious platform change how do you expect this to be different
3: wow man i thought you said i was getting softball questions here. <laughs> no just kidding um, I'll say that the jury is out on this one. Uh, I don't know. Because as much as I'm a child of technology, I think it ultimately is a it's a bit of a challenge, honestly, because Via Atlanta is built so much from the ground up on interpersonal connections. And so trying to create an environment uh, virtually that I don't want to say replicates because I, I don't think you you replicate it, but I'll say extends value in a different format has been a little bit of a challenge, and um, but we're working at it. You know, it, it's one of those things that I'm not afraid to take on a challenge and, and look for opportunities to execute well. So the fact that it's virtual, I'm focusing on things like. All those people who for years have wanted to come and would email every year saying that they wanted to be a part of the conference, but they couldn't travel from whatever country they lived in or they couldn't get the time off work to attend certain things. So I'm trying to focus on, hey, how do we provide an opportunity to experience some of what VO Atlanta is all about? When you take away the barriers of travel or hotel and, and those associated costs, where once you buy in, you're you're able to experience as much as you can from wherever you are. So I would say virtual just provides an opportunity for us to reach more people in more places and for more time because we went from a four-day format to a seven-day format.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There there are a lot of positives and in some cases, for some people, it may even outweigh the negatives of having a virtual event. For instance, in my case, I think we've talked about this at pretty much every year where I've come to the conference I've had to skip out on whatever sport I was coaching that year whether it be baseball or, or even spring soccer so in most cases I would miss my son's games that week and it would just have to he have to deal with it <laughs> but this year even though i'm I'm going to be doing coaching his baseball team and he's still playing spring soccer I'll still be able to balance both I'll be able to go to practice at night still do most of the events virtually because I don't have to worry about being what is it, 500 and 600 miles away from home. And I think that really is going to be a benefit for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, and that's, and that's a really good thing. And um, all of the sessions are recorded except for X sessions, um, which we you know, never share out after those because those are very intimate. there's still basically 12 people sessions with rare exceptions. But as far as all the breakouts and the panels and presentations and things like that, all of those are recorded. So even if you didn't get to watch something during the time it was put on, uh, because you were at the soccer game and you were just you know, focused on coaching, you would know that you could come back in and uh, fire it up and, and watch it and have access to it um, even after the conference is over. Yeah, that's gonna be great. So speaking of the sessions, what can you share so far
1: about the speakers
3: and or the tracks that you're developing? There are lots of them, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, which we always have lots of them overall, but uh, you know, we, We'll continue to have our our tracks. We're still rolling out for the first time ever having our Audiobook Academy, which we were having for the first time in 2020 before things kind of changed. So we're excited about that. Uh, We're excited about uh, ACX taking the lead on that. So so there'll be some exciting things happening for people who are just into audiobooks. So that's something we had started developing and wanted to eventually roll out to some other things. But even in the traditional conference part of things, We have sessions in animation, business and marketing, commercial voiceover, e-learning and narration, gaming, production and technology, promo and imaging. And then under our specialty category, you know, we have things like uh, Cliff Zellman does automotive stuff. So we have a number of sessions that fall up under that. And one of the things that I'm I'm really excited about that we have a lot of uh, resources in is what we call vocal support. And vocal support for us is a lot of things that are surrounding the health and maintenance of your voice, uh, because of some things that people ask about a lot. It's like, well, you know, am I warming up properly? Am I taking care of my voice properly? How do I recover from something? And so we do have a lot of resources in that area as well. So there are a lot of things that we get to cover. Um, I think that's one of the benefits as well of virtual is that we can actually bring in special guests who ordinarily would not be available to come out physically to Atlanta, but now they're able to be a part of the conference from wherever they are and actually provide great resources and information to uh, people that are associated with the conference.
2: Wonderful. Well, I'm excited about it. And and that's something that I've always enjoyed is that Depending on what your interests are, like if you're pretty fresh, you can kind of sample the various tracks. But if you have, like, say, if you're an audiobook narrator or you specialize in an industry or you want to break into a specific industry, you can really tailor your experience to be focused to that specific genre.
3: Right. Absolutely. And 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 it's actually one of the things I tell people when they say, Well, what am I going to get out of the conference? I say, Well, it's really up to you. But I always have a goal that says, you know, I know there are some conferences where I, I look at their schedule and they have a variety of things, but because their their schedule may be what I call linear, meaning it's it's one track, but things kind of go in a row, right? There's one, two, three, four, five. Um, Whereas for us, we'll have six things going at a time. So you can kind of pick and choose as you go through. So if you come to Atlanta and you're into animation, you can pick the sessions related to animation, and then you can jump around to other things, but you get to tailor it so that for you, it was an animation conference. Whereas for the person next to you, they attended a gaming conference because they picked primarily sessions related to gaming. And then there's enough in between that maybe you overlap because you both were in the business and marketing session or you went to certain panel discussions that related, you know, that talked about industry topics and things like that. So you really get to to experience this thing of two people getting to the end of the conference. And if you talk to each of them, you would think they were at a different event because they were able to tailor their schedule to what it what it was for them. I kind of call it a conference buffet, so to speak. And you get to just pick and choose the the meal that you want.
2: Love it. So thinking back to previous years, what are some of your favorite moments from VOA? I already told you some of mine. And I'm sure Paul will tell you some of his, but we want to know yours. <laughs>
3: Oh, wow. There are a lot of them. Some of the things I remember most is the, the very first year, <laughs> how I probably only slept like three hours a night and the whole day was spent walking, walking, walking to the point that I weighed myself when I got home after being away for four or five days at, at the hotel and I had lost 10 pounds just from walking around that first year <laughs> wow. it, it was crazy dehydrated man I was so tired that I took I took my team out to lunch after everything wrapped up that Sunday and I could barely sit on the stool I was I was falling asleep I was scared I wasn't even gonna make it home and then after that I, I just started staying over until Monday because I was just in no shape to drive I was just exhausted. So even though that sounds kind of a challenge thing, but it was like, no, we got through it. You know, we, we got through it. Everybody pulled together and we made it work. That's kind of, a, you know, one of those moments. I would say a lot of my moments are more subtle in nature in terms of, uh, I remember a year where we had our three scholarship winners there and all of them had had medical challenges and different things. And just to see them gel together was amazing and unfortunately one of them lost a battle to cancer. And it, it was one of those moments where I realized that being in charge of the community for that little bit of time that they spent at, at the conference with me, is so much more than just the event planning, right? It's, it's the interpersonal relationships that you form. And when I sat down to do a video of that person's passing for the community, it just, suddenly everything just took on a different meaning for me. It, it reminded me of the importance of playing some small part in people's actual life. So, so that was a, a moment just to reflect on the seriousness of it, that it wasn't just about workshops and sessions. It, it was about people. Um, there was one situation where a young lady called up and this was maybe two weeks after the conference. And she said, I just want to call you up and say, thank you. And I was like, hey, well, you know, I appreciate it. And she says, I came back and my husband, a couple of days after I got back, was saying, I don't know what you did at that conference, but all I know is I haven't seen you this happy in a very long time. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's kind of funny, right? But I thought about it and I was like, the relationships that people make at VO Atlanta are very real. And when people come and they get to interact and they get to meet people and they get to just have great conversations and get up early and stay up late and all those, that it really does make a difference. And and so I think all of my highlights go back to opportunities where I feel like what the conference is and what it became and has become ultimately meant something to the life of the person, not just what they do in the booth, But actually to their to their life. Like when people talk about their friendships and they talk about projects that they've worked on and they talk about just being in touch with people. One year somebody was there and I was talking to them and they said, Oh, I don't even do voiceover anymore. I just come to the conference because I love the people. I love the vibe. (laughs) That's great. And I mean that was to me, that was very moving, right? Because it said that it was more than just what sessions, you know, they came because they enjoyed the atmosphere and the community. And that, I think, says a lot. And so those those are my kind of highlights. Um, there are dozens of little things along the way. You know, sometimes they're behind the scene things. Sometimes, uh, I don't know if you guys remember one day, one year we were packing up and it was like me and Andrew Bates and a few of the guys, we were just at the back of a U-Haul truck and he started playing the violin and we were just (laughs) all out there having this great time. So it's like little moments like that that you just remember, you kind of laugh and joke or things like that. But there are so many things that happen at VIO Atlanta that I don't even know about. I find out because people share it on their social media or something and they just talk about what it meant to them. And for me, that means a lot, because if it meant something to them, then it means something to me.
1: It's really about those personal experiences, in my opinion. If you'll indulge me for a second, I'll share one sure. of my favorites. And as you know, Gerald, when I have been to View Atlanta, I've been working a lot because <laughs> I work for the, for the team, and there's a lot of stuff to do. And I guess it was two years ago, or two events ago... I was feeling kind of down because I had missed some of the events because we were just too busy, and that's part of the expectation. I was perfectly okay with that, but I still felt like I had missed a few things. Mm-hmm. So as I was leaving and packing up, similar experience where you're talking about with Andrew, as we were packing up on Sunday, I walked by Sean Caldwell, who was one of the presenters that year and, mm-hmm. and respected pro, and he just stopped me and he said, Hey, Paul, thanks for all your help this this week. And by the way, you have an incredible voice. And I was just completely stupefied i was i was amazed that someone of his ilk would come out and say that to me just out of the blue and it was basically a sally field moment for me it was like they like me they really like me (laughs) and that was one of my favorite moments from all the years i've been there wow
3: that's what i mean it's like everyone's going to have a different experience. And I think if you talk to 10 people, you know, even Sean on here, right? It's like, if you talk to Sean, his highlights are going to be different than yours, Paul. If you talk to five other people that have been there, their highlights are going to be different. And that's the beauty of it. You don't always have to just talk about, oh yeah, my most fun part was this particular thing. Now I can tell you my most fun session of of ever, uh, and there are very few sessions that I get to sit in on because I kind of go and I make sure things are going, um, that they start, that they're running and everyone seems content. Yeah, I get it. But, but <laughs> yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, and I was actually talking to this person yesterday and it's Kay Bess. And I realized as I was talking to her that hers was the first keynote that I had actually sat all the way through because normally the keynotes in prior years, There were so many things going on that I was just running, 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 going, going, going. But we changed the format in 2019 to do the keynote on the first night so that there was nothing else going on and there was nowhere for people to rush off to at the end. And just to be in that room with her presenting and sharing her story was amazing. It, It was just everyone was sitting in there captivated from start to finish It it was just an amazing experience. And one of those things that as, as the producer, I think you can plan to a point, but ultimately I think my biggest job is just to create an environment. And when you see things just take off and just blossom right in front of your eyes inside that environment, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And so I shared that with her yesterday because It was great. I I loved every minute of it. And um, it's just moments like that that are super exciting, man.
2: Absolutely. And like you're saying, I mean, like the conference itself, just for the educational standpoint, is amazing, right? I mean, you've Mm -hmm. got these top tier uh, guests and they're so personable and so accessible. And like you're saying, everyone's experience is different. If you want it to be kind of like a Comic Con thing where you get to meet Rob Paulson and Bob Bergen and take a picture and get an autograph, you can do that. But it's like. Like you were saying before, all the real memories and the heartfelt moments happen outside of those panels, right? Mm-hmm. It's the conversations, it's the dinners and the meals and the karaoke sessions that people really remember <laughs> and really resonate yeah. to.
3: Yeah, it, it is. And uh, ultimately, though, here's here's the catch with the conference. And, and I always get asked, you know, what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of it? And and there are a couple things that I point out to people about the conference. It, <laughs> and this probably goes without saying for most people, but VO Atlanta is not a job fair, okay? A conference is not a job fair. It's the equivalent of a dentist doesn't go to a dental conference and ask how many patients they're gonna get out of it. They go to a dental conference because they wanna learn how to be a better, stronger dentist and how they wanna go back home and attract more clients. VO Atlanta is much the same way. You come there to connect with the community, tap into additional resources, pick up new skills, build your network, start new relationships so that when you go back to your own booth, you can put those things into practice and grow your business in ways you may not have been able to do prior to coming. That's ultimately something that you have to execute on, or as Home Depot would say it is, you know, you can do it, we can help. And, and that's kind of the role View Atlanta plays is to provide an environment where you can get the resources you need from highly qualified, highly skilled, highly sharing and giving people in this community.
1: By the way, for those who are number crunchers, you can sign with an agent at View Atlanta. It happened to me and I referred mm-hmm. another person to one of my agents on that floor at the conference. So it can happen if you play your yeah. cards right.
3: Well, here's here's the thing about the agent thing, right? I have a thing, and, I, and you see it posted some some places, is that the way I look at agents and conferences is this. Everyone is an agent, right? And you just said you referred somebody to someone, right, Paul? Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, it's it's my point, right? And that's why on the name badges at the atlanta there's never a title. There's never a title about what you do. It's always just who you are, right? Your name, your post funnel. That's who you are. So when I meet you, I should meet you as Paul and then learn about what you do. But if I just walked around all day going, I only want to meet agents. I only want to meet directors. I only want to give out my business cards. Then you're going to miss building a lot of meaningful relationships with people who can put you in touch with amazing opportunities, all because you're just shopping for titles. Yeah, it makes sense.
2: So, like you were saying, Gerald, it really is your own experience and I feel like a lot of people who struggle with that, that kind of marketing to like, your colleagues, just mm-hmm. they don't understand that they are the entrepreneur, they're the business person, and right. that's not how you go about it, Like, right? Like, Once you reach that level of entrepreneurship, you don't market towards your colleagues, you market towards your clients who aren't going to these conferences. So thank you so much for talking with us today. What we want to know now is what's the future for VOA?
3: Wow, that oh, you say the best for last, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will give you the short and long answer, which is I honestly don't know. My my biggest hurdle right now is to make the virtual conference the absolute best that I can um, and provide a unique experience that we've never, by design, had to, to do. Um, but some things have been opening up with it that. I didn't necessarily see three or four months ago um, in terms of planning and things. So there's some things that I'm very excited about in in the virtual platform. Um, I think the future will probably see more of a hybrid thing where uh, there'll be a lot more consideration given to people who can't physically attend versus those who can, so that we can continue to, to recognize the fact that there are people who want to engage and be a part of something, but for whatever reason, even if it's like, you know, they coach soccer or something, right? Or if their work just prohibits them from from coming for the amount of time it takes to be here. But I also am a big in-person type of planner. I I, I think there's just something awfully unique about sitting there and, and laughing with someone with all of the body language and everything that goes along with it. So, so I definitely will miss that part a lot. And I'm the first one to acknowledge when people mention something about virtual uh, versus in-person. Man, I would choose in-person a 1,000 times over. But the reality is that, unfortunately, our world's in a particular place with the pandemic. And we have to deal with the situation on the ground. And that means being a little flexible with how we do things. And as opportunities open up for us to do things differently or in a different fashion later on, then we'll do those. But for right now, I miss the community, I miss the engagement. Um, I'm so appreciative of all those people who've been supportive over the last year plus of just getting through the the challenges and the, the changes. And I know one big thing for me is, like we're coming up on March 11th, which for me will be my day of infamy, right? <laughs> is um, there were less than 20 people reported to have died of, of COVID when when things kind of, took a nosedive for the 2020 uh, conference. And so when I think about that in the context of where we are now at over 500,000, it just yields a lot of context to to what's important. And and my heart goes out to all those families and people who who have been impacted over the past year. And so I look forward to in some way giving us an opportunity to reconnect um, at a very human level, um, even though it's virtually, but hopefully from that, people can continue to start new relationships, start new communications, and, and just kind of build from there. Then, as as the door opens up for us to come back together and get together, um, I look forward to to giving out a lot more hugs in the future.
1: Well, Gerald, we're all looking forward to not only the virtual conference, but what's to come. We thank you for being here today. And we'll see you in a few weeks at this point for VO Atlanta Virtual.
3: Well, hey, also a big shout out to you guys. Um, I appreciate the time to talk about the conference. I appreciate you guys stepping up to to help put yourselves out there and and be able to bring some new and exciting interviews uh, from people that will be associated with the conference. So thanks a lot for that.
2: Well, thanks for having us. We're definitely happy to pay it forward.
3: Thanks, guys as a voice talent
0: you have to have a website but what a hassle getting someone to do it for you and when they finally do they break or don't look right on mobile devices they're not built for marketing and SEO they're expensive you have limited or no control. And it takes forever to get one built and go live. So what's the best way to get you online in no time? Go to voiceactorwebsites.com. Like our name implies, voiceactorwebsites.com just does websites for voice actors. We believe in creating fast, mobile-friendly, responsive, highly functional designs that are easy to read and easy to use. You have full control. No need to hire someone every time you want to make a change. And our upfront pricing means you know exactly what your cost are ahead of time. You can get your voiceover website going for as little as $700. So if you want your voice actor website without the hassle of complexity and dealing with too many options, go to voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what.
2: All right, thank you so much for joining us, Gerald. As you guys know, Vio Atlanta has been very influential to my own career. Pauls as well, but you guys know all the like we joked about, I can't win anything from them anymore. <laughs> but it was a great having him on the podcast and I'm very excited to see what this Digital Vio Atlanta experience brings. Yeah, I'm a
1: little intimidated by a week's long, a week's worth of activity, I have to admit, cuz judging by how exhausted I am during the normal Four day or three and a half slash four day program. Mm-hmm. I'm a little intimidated, but I'm sure, as always, Gerald will pull off a great conference. And I'm really looking forward to to talking with the speakers, getting to meet some new people. Hopefully, some people I haven't met at Vuel Atlanta before. I can't. I think that can't help but happen because of the virtual format. So we'll meet people from different countries, mm-hmm. hopefully, and different different states that we haven't seen before. And I'm really excited to see where it all goes.
2: Yeah, I think you're you're uniquely suited for this <laughs> with your experience. So. That wraps up this episode of the Vo Meter,
1: measuring your voiceover progress. Coming up, we have audiobook narrator, voiceover actor, and stage actor Joel Frumkin. He's actually started coaching as well. And we're going to talk to him about that and his experience in the audiobook world.
2: Other than that, we've got a lot of interviews coming up leading up to Vo Atlanta. So be sure to tune in for those. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vo Meter follow along visit us at www.vometer.com we'd also love to hear your
1: comments or suggestions for the show or if you have a question about your purchase tell us all about it on our facebook page or on twitter at the vometer